0: Hi, and welcome to Long Live the Queen, where we talk about the women who made history. And by we, I mean the royal we, because it's just me. This week, our subject is Philippa Gregory's The White Queen. It's a recap episode, guys, a la last week's Robin Hood, because I had so much fun. I'm going to go through the first episode of The White Queen. It's based on a few books by Philippa Gregory. The books being The White Queen, The Red Queen, and The Kingmaker's Daughters. The White Queen being Elizabeth Woodville, The Red Queen being Margaret Beaufort, and The Kingmaker's Daughters being Isabel and Anne Neville, all of whom have their own episodes if you want more info. The opening credits were a lot of York flowers, because they're white, mixed with a lot of York imagery and some blood because we are starting in the midst of the Wars of the Roses. Lancasters and York's cousins fighting a civil war in England. In the first scene, we see a soldier retreating, being chased by other soldiers on horseback. He falls and we hear horses charging towards him. A man on horseback draws a sword to kill the soldier. And the soldier turns into a young woman just before she is killed the same young woman wakes up This young woman is Elizabeth Woodville Her husband had been killed by the York faction while fighting against the Lancastrian faction They had chosen a side and it was starting to look like they chose the losing side Elizabeth then wakes her children two boys and runs into her mother while preparing for her day Her mother Jaquetta of Luxembourg, who also has an episode, asks, You're going to him? Elizabeth responds, I have no choice. Jaquetta says, Elizabeth, take this. It may help, and it will not hurt. It appeared to be a small amulet on a ribbon, because word on the street was that Jaquetta was just a bit magical. Being descended from a mermaid will do that for you. Elizabeth says, nothing will help me with a man like him, mother. He was, after all, the leader of the faction that killed her husband somewhat recently. She would have been afraid. Her family were famous at the time for being Lancastrian supporters, and she was going to see the head of the York army. She's then walking with her boys, asking where they're going. She says, going to meet the king, and there's some discussion if it is the old King Henry, and she says, no, they're going to see new King Edward the man that these boys hold responsible for killing their father. She shushes them and points out that Edward is the king now, and they just have to accept it. They stop on the edge of the road and wait, eating plums and drinking from water skins. It gives me grabbing breakfast on a road trip vibes. This was common when royalty or armies were traveling. People would wait on the side of the road to show support or just to see them. There was no internet, so you could go your entire lives without seeing your ruler, and a lot of people did. The army approached, and as it did, one of Elizabeth's sons ran into the road yelling for them to stop, and they do. A man asks, Edward, now, really? This man is the infamous Earl of Warwick. Richard Neville, the kingmaker, and he was using his best judgy voice. Edward ignored him and dismounts, and Warwick really has no choice because he's not the king. And as head advisor, he just tells the soldiers to rest a while because Edward has a reputation for finding pretty women and spending some private time with them. It was just what he did. He would have been around 20 or 21. She would have been about five years older than him. One of her sons asks if he really is the king. He would have looked like a king to them. He was young and handsome. Average height for a man at the time was around 5'5 or five six. Edward of York was six foot four. He towered over everyone. He would still be considered quite tall now, but back then, this was some major height. Edward looked at her to judge her reaction. Did she consider him a king or was she still a Lancastrian? She understood the assignment. She curtsies and said, I'm Lady Elizabeth Gray, your grace. There's a lot in that sentence, more than it sounds like. She's a lady, nobility, so worth listening to. She's Elizabeth Gray, her married name, not her maiden name, Elizabeth Woodville. Elizabeth... Woodville would have been a very recognizable Lancastrian name avoidable in these times when you were trying to look like a Yorkist and she called him your grace that's what you would have called the king so she was recognizing him with the title that he was claiming he tells her to rise up because he agrees that she understood the assignment she says she cannot obtain her son's inheritance Her husband's lands were taken from her when he died, and she has nothing to live on. Her husband was Sir John Gray, and he died in battle. Warwick points out that she left out the part about him dying fighting against them. He happened to have been the leader of the Lancastrian cavalry, and our new King Edward lost 700 men in that battle. She assures him that her late husband was just doing his duty to the man he believed to be the king. He was loyal, he was just confused about who the good guys were. And even if he was wrong, her boys are innocent. If Warwick had a watch, he would be tapping it. There wasn't time for this. Edward again ignores him and asks if she lives near. He kind of dismisses Warwick, telling him to go on. He's willing to take the detour with this pretty woman to her home. Warwick is all, you're not going alone. I'm coming with you. He's not trusting the king alone with this Lancastrian woman. As they near the house, Jaquetta is waiting outside. If you listen to her episode, you probably remember that she was good at politics and was somehow able to do it as a woman in the 15th century, which was no small feat. Passive aggressive Warwick points out that he recognizes her and asks if the page boy is at home because after the death of her first husband, Jaquetta illegally ran off with her husband's squire in a terribly romantic elopement. Jaquetta matches his energy and says, Baron Rivers is away, reminding him that after their marriage, her nephew, the old King Henry, made that squire a baron, and he's noble now. Warwick points out that this was obviously a nepotism title, because it was. And he got that because a noble teenager ran off with a cute squire and the family was trying to make it socially okay. It's all true, but that doesn't make it less rude. She mentions that he was a better man than Warwick will ever be and offers them ale or wine from her cousins in Burgundy because she isn't just an English noblewoman. She was born a French noblewoman, and she wanted to make sure they remembered that. Warwick declines. Edward says he'd love some wine. Who wouldn't want rich people wine from Burgundy? Sign me up. Jaquetta points out that she isn't surprised that they were there at all, because her daughter is beautiful. That was her reputation. Contemporaries called her the most beautiful woman in all of Britain. She had heavy-lidded eyes like those of a dragon. And Edward agrees. Chiquetta gets refreshments and then leaves her daughter alone with the new king to charm him because Elizabeth's good at that. He asks why she needs her inheritance. Her parents are rich. Isn't she happy there? She reminds him that she is an adult and would like to go back to living on her own. He says he wants the civil war to end. And she agrees for the sake of her children. She's already lost a husband. She doesn't want this war to go on any longer. He says he's going to go fight and end it. And she questions why he's so confident. He says he's quick and brave and lucky, so he will win. His father and brother had already been killed, but Edward was confident. He was good at war. It was his thing. He says, if she writes down her claim, he will return tomorrow to get it after he wins the war. He kisses her hand and leaves. They are both trying to be the most charming person in the room, and it is working. Later that night, Jaquetta and Elizabeth are walking together near a brook. Jaquetta points out three strings leading to the water. Elizabeth questions it, knowing already that it's magic because that's what her mother does. Elizabeth seems afraid because magic is illegal, but Jaquetta assures her it's in their blood they are, after all, descended from the royal family of Luxembourg. Elizabeth is to cut two of the strings, representing futures that will never happen, essentially, choosing the one string that will be her future. Jaquetta tells her to reel the string in a foot every day to reveal this fortune. The next day, the king is back, as promised there are people everywhere because Elizabeth's family was huge, and this is the fastest way to portray that. The king kisses her fairly intimately, not just for the time. If the president showed up at my house and tried to kiss me like that, charges may be pressed, but they were both young and attractive and flirty, so I don't know, maybe it was cool. Her father bursts in in a don't-touch-my-daughter kind of way followed by even more children, because again, they had a lot of them. He introduces his adult sons, mentioning that they have met in battle. The unspoken part that everyone knows is that they were fighting against each other in that battle. They have been up until this point, bitter enemies. There's some aggressive talk about old King Henry and how bad of a king he was, and the taxes, so many taxes, And sorry, not sorry, Edward is the king now. The vibe is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And about Elizabeth's land, Edward's like, as long as we remember that your old king killed my dad and brother, yes, she can have her lands back. If he can have a tour of the gardens by the beautiful Elizabeth. So out in the garden, he says he has to go fight Margaret of Anjou, old King Henry's wife. And the French. Old King Henry was in and out of reality. He had a genetic mental illness that made him not so reliable and his French wife was often leading the war charge with the help of her royal French family. Edward asks if she can meet him tonight. She understands the question and says she cannot be his mistress. She won't sleep with him. Manipulatively, he points out that he's fighting a war and this may be his last wish. She reminds him that he is quick and brave and lucky. Nice move, Liz. He was disappointed, but asked to meet her anyway, just to say goodbye. Back at her house, her father says she shouldn't be left alone with him. Her brothers agree. She is either having sex with him or being raped by him. Elizabeth is back now and she's offended, saying she only wants her land. Her family doesn't trust him, but she says it will be okay. Like her mother, she is a strong, independent woman. Her father reminds them that they used to be BFF with the former royal couple. This was very true. If the royal couple had a couple BFF, it was indeed the Woodvilles. Double dates all over the place. Chiquetta reminds her husband, old King Henry got too greedy, and they have a new king now, and that's probably for the best. Then we see Elizabeth reeling in her string again. She may not like the whole magic thing, but she respects it. And at the end of the string is a small ring that looks like a crown. So that's foreshadowing. Elizabeth is then going to meet Edward to say goodbye. He arrives like a giddy schoolboy, happy that she actually showed up. He asks her to let down her hair, to let him see. This is kind of the 15th century version of texting someone, send nudes. One didn't just let their hair down. It was very scandalous. She does, though, and he says he's mad for her because the send nudes was replied to with nudes and he was like dang those are nice she says he needs to focus on war not her sexy sexy hair he lays his cloak down and asks for her to sit with him there again 15th century come meet me in a parking lot and hang out in the back seat of my car and get to know each other she agrees and sits down and kissing ensues She pushes back and says no, and he doesn't take no for an answer. He begs, she says no again. Keep in mind that if a rape were to happen, it would not have been a crime against her. It would be a crime of property theft against her father. He would have been devaluing her father's property, but also he's the king. So no one would have sided against him. Her father would lose the property theft claim. She fights back and grabs his dagger. He reminds her that a threat to him is treason. You can't threaten the king with a dagger, no matter how good of a reason you have. And she, being the clever woman she is, says she isn't threatening to kill him. She's just going to kill herself because she would rather die than be raped. He was surprised and looks a little worried that she may be serious. He is now young. And angry and embarrassed. In an immature tantrum adjacent way, he says that she will never see him again. She can keep the dagger and he storms off. The following days, she is upset and seems to have some regret over the way she handled this whole situation. She didn't have a therapist to tell her that she was just having healthy boundaries. Not being raped is a reasonable boundary, but Not back then, always, and especially not when it was the king. She says there has been no word and no tokens. He has fully ghosted her. Her mother says, don't worry yet. If old King Henry wins, no loss. No one will know this even happened. Elizabeth regrets her decision. She misses Edward and wishes things hadn't ended so badly. Jaquetta tells her to be strong. She can have anything she wants, but there will be consequences. Solid motherly advice. Try not to worry, find your joy, just be prepared for the consequences of your choices. Her father, the page boy slash squire slash baron, announces that there is a muster, meaning he has to find men to fight in the war. He has to outfit them with armor and weapons and send them to his liege lord to fight. The difference this time is the muster is from Edward and the York faction. All previous musters have been from old King Henry and the Lancastrian faction. The Woodvilles were officially switching sides. Jaquetta, the forever diplomat, suggests that the girls of the family join them to see the men off to war because she wants to put Elizabeth in a position for the king to see her. Jaquetta is going full throttle Yorkist. Baron Rivers agrees, sarcastically, and says they should wear white roses because red roses would signify Lancaster support and white roses would signify York support, which is why it was called the Wars of the Roses. He's making a sarcastic statement that everyone knows they are switching sides. They aren't fooling anyone. Then we have a getting ready montage from the ladies. Everyone's excited to maybe see the king and definitely see the army. They didn't have Netflix, so entertainment was it was what it was. Someone asked to borrow a sister's green dress. Green was the color that represented love. Kind of a flirty color to go wear to meet an army. We see Jaquetta and her daughters excitedly going out to meet the army. Elizabeth is wearing a flirty green dress of love. Jacquetta is wearing blue. That would be seen as representing purity. Both probably very calculated moves. The York army arrives to pick up the Woodville's mustard men, and Warwick makes a rude comment about their changing loyalty because, again, the roses were not fooling anyone. Warwick and Baron Rivers start to fight because at their core, they are enemies. Edward takes advantage of the distractions, goes over, talks to the beautiful Elizabeth. He says he can't eat or sleep because he keeps thinking about her. And she says, same. He picks up on that social cue and again begs for her. And just like that, he asks her to marry him. And just as quickly, she says yes. He says they will meet tomorrow to marry and she should bring her mother. Then he goes over to where Warwick and Baron Rivers have been fighting this whole time and invites himself to dinner tomorrow night. Who's going to turn down the king? The next morning, Elizabeth and Jaquetta sneak out, both dressed in blue for purity. Word on the street was this is actually how it went down, but she also had two ladies' maids with her. Edward got there early and he brought the friar. They get married And like your average 21-year-old man, he forgot that they would need a ring. This is their version of a quick Vegas elopement. But how lucky she has that crown ring on a string. Perfect, because remember, her mother is magical. Her mother's fortune for her was coming true. Then they head off for a quick eight-hour honeymoon at a hunting lodge that Jaquetta had made up for them. Because she wants everyone to know she fully supports this marriage. At the Hunting Lodge, he says he's nervous. Usually he's not, but this time he is. Because he's a 21-year-old newly married man. And she is 26, beautiful, and on her second marriage. He's the king, but he feels like she's a bit out of his league. And honestly, if he wasn't the king, she probably was out of his league. Sex ensues because it is an illegal marriage without sex, and they have to lock that down. They are now officially married, but not with witnesses, so it would be very he said, she said if there was a dispute about whether this was an official marriage. Because remember, he sleeps with everyone, and it means next to nothing. He takes a quick river bath, because that's what one did after a wedding, but before dinner. And now it's dinner with her family, But no one except her mother still knows about this marriage. They are still keeping it a secret. King Edward makes a lot of statements about hunting that if you knew better were probably just about Elizabeth and the sex. A lot of secret looks across the table. They are back at the lodge again the next morning and he wakes her up saying he has to go. He has some last minute advice. If he dies in battle, she's to deny the marriage if she's pregnant, she's to go to his brother's, who will help her raise a York boy. She makes him promise to come back. He leaves, and surprise, her brother was sus and sneaking around. He calls her a whore. She says, no, it's not like that. We're married. This was legit. Her brother then says, oh, my poor idiot sister, you were tricked into sex. This is unfortunate. And that, would have been the feelings at the time. And then the days start to pass. Edward had won, but he hadn't returned. She hadn't heard from him, and she's starting to wonder if her brother was maybe right. She starts having nightmares about him being killed, just like her first husband had been. But then a letter from him arrives. He tells her he won, but the tone of the letter is a love letter There's nothing official that mentions that they were married. Kind of a, hey girl, you up, vibe? We hear that although he won, the old Queen Margaret has gone to Scotland with her son to try and get more support. So the war was over, but not over, over. Edward does, in fact, come back and they have more sex. So he didn't ghost her this time, but that's about all she knows for sure. Edward says they still need to keep the secret marriage a secret. So that's not comforting to Elizabeth. Edward needs time to break it to Warwick because he's not going to be happy about it. He wants Edward to marry Princess Bona of France for the alliance of it all. Edward is at court now, kinging it up. He's busy, she's worried. She is still his dirty little secret. He's all, I love you, but don't tell anyone but then her father was summoned to court. Why? Elizabeth thinks it is to announce her marriage to the king. Her mother tells her that Princess Bana is here, so we'll have to wait and see. Her father arrives at court and King Edward does indeed have an announcement, but takes the time out to speak to Warwick. Edward says he doesn't want Bana, he wants Elizabeth. Warwick calls Elizabeth a roadside strumpet. Those are fighting words. There is a huge, loud, awkward fight, and Edward comes out to announce that he is married to Elizabeth, to the shock of everyone, including her father, who no one had bothered to tell until today. Warwick is livid. He worked hard for this French alliance, and Edward just threw it in the rubbish bin. Elizabeth is notified by letter that the secret is out and she can emerge from her hiding place. He wants her at court with him and she is elated. Jaquetta says she is inviting her Burgundian relatives to the coronation because people may need to be reminded that they are French nobility and if anything goes wrong, they will have somewhere to run off to she also points out to Elizabeth that she has a marriage of prestige and of love. So she is blessed. This was indeed rare in the 15th century. They head off to London and meet up with her father for the first time since he found out about her secret marriage. He bows to her, indicating that he accepts this marriage. She is the queen now. He didn't really have much of a choice now that it was already public. It's today's equivalent of finding out your daughter was married from TMZ. In London, she meets Edward. They are both in white, probably just for us because it's pretty. That would not have been the color that they would have worn. That was the color of mourning, and it would have been a pretty powerful statement to just show up in all black like going to a funeral, which is what it would have been like back then. We see Margaret Beaufort for the first time, the Red Queen, mother of Henry Tudor. Check out her episode for more details. She's a Lancastrian pretending to be a Yorkist and wondering if Elizabeth is doing the same. Warwick, as usual, is still livid. He didn't like not getting his own way. Then we see Edward introduce Elizabeth to his siblings, George, Duke of Clarence, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, the future King Richard III, and Margaret. Then she is introduced to Warwick, the Kingmaker's family, his wife, and the Kingmaker's daughters, Isabel and Anne, who in a few days will have their own episode. Now it's time to go meet Edward's mother, Cecily Neville. The infamous Cecily also has an episode. If it's possible, Cecily is more livid than her nephew, the kingmaker. Elizabeth and Jaquetta Curtsy, they're putting their best foot forward. Cecily complains about the secret marriage, and Jaquetta makes sure to say, it was a private marriage, not a secret marriage. Cecily is mad that Elizabeth is so old. Let's remember, she's 26 or 27. Jaquetta says... And it's a good thing she has two boys already so good news she's good at boys it's a lot of verbal sparring cecily says elizabeth isn't royal elizabeth says too bad the king picked me cecily says well it doesn't matter if i disown him jaquetta says why would you disown him did you whore it up back in the day do you not know who your baby daddy is shots fired The Woodvilles win this particular battle, and Elizabeth reminds her mother-in-law, Cecily, that she really should bow to her new queen-slash-daughter-in-law. When Elizabeth tells Edward it went well, he is surprised because he has met his mother. Elizabeth asks how Warwick is feeling, and Edward says he's working on it. More sex, because this is entertainment after all. Elizabeth later catches her mother doing magic again, and then Elizabeth has her own vision. She says she sees a woman in red with blood on her hands, Elizabeth's blood. It's a nod to the Red Queen, Margaret Beaufort. In the future, Elizabeth's daughter will marry Margaret's son, and the relationship between the women will be problematic and seen. That is where the episode ends. There's a whole rest of a season after the first episode. And if it sounds good, it is. Check it out. More of the same. And it really gets down the vibes of the true story. They definitely make some alterations to actual history because they're trying to be entertaining. But you really feel the trauma and the drama of... The reality of how it happened. I hope you enjoyed my recap of the White Queen episode one. You can share your thoughts with me at podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Long podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support it by sharing with your friends. And if you hated this episode, share it with your enemies. I'm not picky. Long live to all the queens out there. And until next time, bye. Chaqueta says she's inviting her Burgundian relatives to the coronation because people may need to be reminded that they are French mobility. Mobility. Nobility, they're French <laughs> French nobility. Mobility. Hmm.